Welcome to the podcast Bench Talk. I'm Joe Hilditch, High Sheriff of Herefordshire. Today I'm talking to Jonathan Bland, who's just 15, but already a mover and a shaker in the world of volunteers. I met him when he was nominated as a young good citizen by the local Safer Neighbourhood Police Team, but he is really busy. He volunteers at the local food centre, he's a climate change activist, and he is a young leader at his local messy church. I guess he also goes to school. Today's Bench Talk comes from a low stone wall just outside the Lempster Priory. Hello, Jonathan. Hello. How are you? you I'm doing brilliant. How are you? Good. So, have you always lived in Herefordshire? I've always lived in Herefordshire, yeah. Born and bred? Yeah, born and bred. Born in Hereford, lived in Lempster. Yeah. And your parents as well? Uh, No, they've come from outside outside the county, but they've moved in. Yeah. It's such a beautiful place. And they work here as well? Uh, Yeah, they work around the county. And what other family do you have? I've got... uh, Grandma and granddad on both sides. Um, my grandma and granddad and the grandma both live in Herefordshire, and uh, there's a granddad who lives outside in and, Lincolnshire. Oh, a long way away. Yes. And what about siblings? I've got two brothers, one of them who lives in Lumpster, the other one who's gone off on his own adventures. Has he? Yes. But he's all right. He's doing good. So we last met at that award ceremony at uh, Hindlip Hall, which was quite amazing. Tell me about that and who nominated you. Um, so I was nominated by a local PTSO, who I first met at, here at Foodshare. It's a brilliant building. Yeah, it was really nice being there. Well, some story about a mango. Yes, so we met. Um, first time I properly met him was um, I was at Foodshare and, um, you know, I was giving away food like I normally do and there there was a um, couple of mangoes left and he turns up on his electric bike, you know, just to see what's going on so we could see um, how it was there and I um, said, do you want a mango? And he went, <laughs> I'd love to but I don't have a bag. So, you know, I said, well, we can get you a bag and well, this has a tide, so. <laughs> <laughs> it must have been more than a mango though, why he, why he nominated you. I suppose it was, yeah. It was nice. I suppose I was the first really young person he saw doing anything like volunteering because... It's never really been an opportunity in Lumpster to do volunteering like this, as far as I know. But, yeah, he saw me doing that. And actually, since that, there's been more and more of us who've been volunteering here. Young people as well? Yeah, lots of young people. There's some brilliant young people who have come along for the ride. So tell me about Food Share. What is Food Share exactly? So Food Share is a way of distributing food that we so first off we get food from the local supermarkets that's co-op aldi morrison's and we've got a local um bakery who all donate food and we get those on different days and that um comes in and it goes to our stores where it gets sorted out and on wednesdays and saturdays at half past one um food share happens so can anyone come along Anybody can come along. You don't it's, have to be referred or anything. You don't have to be referred or anything. It is a stress-free, risk-free, stigma-free um, way of getting some food. And there's always a variety. And recently we had Jerusalem artichokes. What which, did you tell the people to do with those? Um, I told them to cook them like potatoes. You know, peel them, chop them up, fry them. They're brilliant. And you can eat them raw. And you can slice them thinly in salads. And they have a nice sweet, nutty taste. So you're taste. a bit of a chef as well. Oh, I do cooking at school and it's brilliant because it's a community here and people come along and say oh yes you can do this with that you know oh i've recently discovered if you put spinach on and cheese on toast it tastes brilliant so you know we take this information yeah because that's one of the things isn't it with a food bank is that 
or food share is that people have all these ingredients but they don't necessarily know what to do with them precisely and actually it's a great community because um you know people go off chatting and so often we have large quantities of food that people haven't taken in the supermarkets that have been left over like jerusalem artichokes or other things like that that people don't know what to do with and that's exactly um, what we've been able to do and so, um, and the food bank, how does the food, is the food bank based here as well? Yes, the food bank is based in the same area, it's just a bit further along. And that is for people who have been referred by places like the job centre and the primary school who are desperate for food. And they come along and get their food bags and they can have a tick list for extra things that they um, can ha- eat. And at the very end of those sessions, um, there's often a bit of a food share um, time as well for extras mm. so so have you noticed recently that food poverty and is it particularly during covid it's got worse definitely um at the start of covid we were getting much less people to food share um than at the midst of covid and it's because so many people who have been struggling because you know maybe their job they've had has been cancelled not cancelled. They've Sorry, been the made job. redundant. Yeah, they've been yeah. made redundant, so they haven't been able to get their money in. Perhaps a, a member of their family who's been given their income has stopped. Perhaps they've or got even died Ill. of COVID. Yeah. yeah. So things like that have meant that more and more people have needed food just so they can get back on their feet and they can use the money that they would otherwise be spending on food on things like being able to afford petrol so they could then go and yeah, their and job. fuel actually and as fuel well. as well. Yeah. yeah, things like that and. So that's been a real help and actually it's become a big community of people who needed food during uh, earlier in the pandemic have now become volunteers. Mm. Now they're more stable and it's been a brilliant community. And actually the community aspect of it. So I imagine coming down, especially during the summer when it's lovely and sunny out here in this little courtyard, um, everybody gets together, has a cup of tea, a cup yes, of coffee. Yes, it's been brilliant, yes. We've started having teas and coffees and people have got to know each other, people who... You know, been able to get together and people have made friends and it's been a real brilliant community. And I know that you, the way that you sell, well, you're not selling the food, but the way you sell the food to the, the uh, clients is quite original and that you always come up with some kind of sales spiel. Yeah, it's been a fun little thing that we started where I often create a little bit of a joke, you know. If I'm giving away spring onions, I'll tell them it doesn't bounce. Or <laughs> iceberg, the type you what want from the Titanic. What but, a joker. <laughs> yes. Do you think we can change local food poverty or, you know, do you see... I think that there'll always be food poverty because there'll always be reasons, no matter what happens, that people will need food. But I think it's about being able to make it so the people who need food can get on their feet and be able to supply their own food. But there'll always, I think, be food poverty. It's about shortening the time each and every person has to need it. So moving on from uh, the food bank and food share... Tell me a bit about your climate change activism. That all started um, a couple of years ago now, where for Lent, so the 40 days and 40 nights, people often give up, you know, things like chocolate. But I had a conversation with my mum, we thought, you know what, why don't we give up using single-use plastic? Because, you know, we've seen the articles in the news and we all know that plastic's going nowhere good. So we thought that would be a fun thing to do, and it was really hard. You know, we couldn't have things like bread from the shops because that had single-use plastic wrapping. So we had to make our own or go to the bakers to get it made fresh. And it was lovely. And meat was wrapped often in single-use plastic with the plastic film over the top. So we'd go to the butchers and bring our own um, 
Tupperware boxes. boxes and stuff mm. and that was brilliant and actually we found the food nicer and it was yeah. really nice and we spent time cooking foods from scratch making our own gravy not necessarily using gravy pods using leftover bits of meat you know we we managed to make our own custard from scratch and things like that and it was a brilliant time because mm. if you think about it most things you buy in the supermarket are covered in plastic mm. unless you buy loose veg yeah, or... one thing we had a really big problem was mayonnaise because, you know, we thought, okay, the problem with mayonnaise, let's see, there's the plastic steel on it, okay. And then we did a bit of research into it and we discovered the actual label to the jar had a plastic in it. Which meant we couldn't use that because that was single-use plastic on the label. So could you make your own then? We ended up not making our own. We did a lot of research to find the actual, find a few companies out there which had proper paper. And that was brilliant to find that. And it just took a lot of effort though. And have you done other things around climate change as well? Yes, so um, I've been on several climate strikes. Were you allowed to do that from school? No, the school said no, definitely do it, but we can't let you do it, which was (laughs) mixed messages. I wasn't allowed to, but everyone was really supporting it. And you've met local MPs? Yeah, I've met local MPs to discuss it, and I um, mailed some knitted veg through our local MPs' um, door. That was quite fun. I learned how to knit. Oh, well done. Brilliant. <laughs> Are you still knitting now? I've, I still know how to knit, yeah. Occasionally I get out on a run on days where I feel like knitting. And have you, have you changed your habits then around um, buying the food and the, not in single-use single plastic? We have definitely changed our habit. Actually, because of the food share, we've sorry to go back to that, but we've started to get our food from there a, a lot more because the food that would go in the bin, that's going to go in the bin, and actually the plastic too just goes in the bin as well. Mm. And we've done lots of research into things like um, um, plastic bricks, where you get a plastic bottle and you fill it with packaging to make strong bricks. And we've, d- we've done loads of looking into it, and it's been a brilliant thing at school, where um, we've been working with... I've actually been able to help the catering department um, look at different things. So we um, got rid of the slushy machine, which everyone was slightly disappointed about. And we, So you were enemy number one for a while. <laughs> yes, I was enemy number one, but we... Um, discovered that the packaging because we got food in takeaway containers it was recyclable but the school had no recycling facilities for the food so um we worked with that to um get a um a recycling point around the school where you could separate stuff so you could have the food waste the empty packaging and the things like plastic forks and that plastic forks was a real problem because yeah like i asked why can't we have metal forks and they said no it's too dangerous of course because fights go to well, yeah, apparently plastic forks would do because bamboo forks are too expensive and metal forks would get lost. People would use them to apparently fight. <laughs> I don't know. Like... So you're obviously inventive. You're going to keep going with all these different ideas with the school, are you? You were talking about another yeah, uh, scheme so, that you're just getting going yeah, with as so well. Yes, we started off with them. Um, we've noticed that um, lots of the sporty um, members of school, I'm not sporty, but I've sat there and watched as football after football have gone over the fence and been lost. And actually... That's a lot of waste that, you know, footballs, you know, there's probably about three footballs lost every week to the world. And where are they going? They're not being retrieved. They're probably just going to the bin or going... So what are you doing? So we're setting up a football hire scheme where there's incentive to bring the football back. And there's not just footballs now, there's frisbees, there are um, throwing balls, tennis balls, baseballs. Yeah. 
So you can hire those, and it means that you bring them back at the end of the yeah, time. Yeah, you bring them back at the end of the, end of the time so you can get your money back, which means it costs you nothing if you bring it back, and if you lose it, it's money's gone. But actually, we're working with the, um, the site crew who are actually retrieving a lot of the footballs. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, I know. So, so it's, it's a win-win. It is a win-win for us, so that's hopefully going to be fully implemented in uh, later on in the new year. So we're currently sitting outside the Priory and I know that you've got involved in the Messy Church there. Tell me a bit about that. So yeah, so so I've been involved in Messy Church a lot of my life because um, my mum started it when I was really young in Lempster and I've been um, going on with that and actually as I get, as I'm starting to be in my teenage years, I've noticed that there have been less and less activities for um, my age group so I've been working hard to try and create activities that are good. So one time when we created a laser obstacle course using pews and pieces of string who could get to the end without moving any of them inventive th- like i said yeah and <laughs> another time when that was a I, I wasn't involved in this but we once did a big um, parachute drop but everyone brought their teddy bears and everyone would tie parish uh, get a parachute out of a bag and tie it to, and we threw them off the tower <laughs> It didn't go too well because the wind changed direction and they got lost on the roof. So my mum had to do a teddy bear rescue operation <laughs> and have to climb up onto the roof and rescue God. them. It'll say absolutely messy. Yeah, sounds sounds great fun though. And it's fair, is it just um, young people or is it families or what? Is so it? it's intergenerational, and so we've got brilliant ages. We've got um, someone who um, recently celebrated their hundredth birthday there, and someone else who recently celebrated their first birthday. We've got all sorts so of So everybody ages. welcome. Everybody is welcome. There's often a meal at the end, so that so that helps people who may be struggling for a meal. And actually, it's community, so everyone sits down together and enjoys a meal. And often, lots of little ones get together and play, yeah. and it's yeah. a lovely community. Actually, community is very important. And I know that you started something else up as a result of um, what you're doing at the Messy Church. Yeah, so we started off Messy Church Young Leaders, which is an... Is that inf- your idea? It was my idea. We... Um, we thought of, I, I thought of the idea when I was in a car and I thought, really, there's no young people I know who help lead things, help lead anything. So I thought, you know what, it'd be really fun if there was like a young leaders youth group that people from all over the country, all over the world even, could join in on. So that's, I did that with Messy Church. Um, so we got together, it started off slow, not, people not really turning so up. So we were doing it on Zoom, were Yeah, you? we were doing it on Zoom COVID, and yeah. it... We did it at 9am every morning for us, which meant it was 7, 8 o'clock for the Australians. Yeah. Oh, so you had Australians Yes, too. we had Australians, we've had South Africans, we've had people from Sweden, and all sorts of people turning up. So how many people do you have in your group? So at the moment we've got about 10, 11 people averaging, and we do that every other month. So for us it's a month of preparation, a month of do, a month of do it. Next month we have a preparation session. Next month Gosh. we do it. And is there an age limit? Uh, yes, it's a uh, nine to sixteen. No, so I can't join them. No. <laughs> yes, yeah, a young leader. God, you're so busy. What about school? After all is said and done, you must go to school as well. Yes, I do go to school, and uh, as I've said, I've helped a lot with um, the making the school more okay. eco-friendly. Um, I help out with that. Um, so you actually do lessons too? Yes, yeah. I do a lot of lessons. So um, I do cooking. I do music. I've um, that was a brilliant thing. So um, my music teacher, Mr. Leyland, he recently got some new instruments from the classroom, and one of the instruments only he could play. So he came up to me, and I played the melodeon, which is a um, squeezing instrument, a bit like a piano chord. And he said, Jonathan, 
do you want to learn another instrument over the Christmas holidays? So I said, yeah, sure. So now I've currently got a mandolin on my desk, <laughs> which I'm slowly learning over this holi- over the holiday we've just had. So are you in a folk group as well? Yes, I'm in Nifty, which is the National Youth Folk Troop of England. And that's people from all over England. We've got some people from Wales as well, actually, now. And we get together every year and we go to different festivals to do playing, singing, dancing. So and so that's and that's where you play your melodeon as well, is it? Yes, it is, as well as in school. And do you see yourself staying in this kind of charitable sector, being a volunteer? I or think... have you got other plans for your life? I think I will always be volunteering. I think it's, for me, such an important part of my life at the moment, but I don't think I'll work here. I think what I actually want to do is I want to go working as a lighting engineer for festivals and theatre and things like that. Partly to get a free ticket, but... (laughs) But, You're obviously very creative and musical, so actually it's quite a good path to take. It's a lovely thing to do, but I think I'll always be involved in volunteering because it's such an important thing for me. It's something that matters and it's something that I can see will always be a problem and Mm. somewhere we need to help. So you're getting uh, work experience in lighting? Yeah, I'm going to be going to the courtyard uh, around Easter time to do that. It's going to be really fun. When we come back and talk about Herefordshire a bit, what do you think the biggest challenges are for Herefordshire? I think it's barriers, and I think I've noticed that there's still lots of barriers. There's racial barriers. I haven't actually seen that many different races. I have seen a few, but it's not been a wide range as I think can be possible in other places that have been possible in other places also things like AIDS when I came to work at the food share I was the only person under 18 who was working there and since then actually more and more people have been joining at different ages and actually it's something that I've noticed starting to happen in the food share is that you know different ages have been volunteering and receiving different genders have always been volunteering and receiving of course P- rich people have been volunteering and receiving poor people have been volunteering and receiving all sorts of people but I think that needs to be a bigger thing everywhere that breaking down barriers and making things more acceptable for everybody. Do you have other hobbies though? Uh, yeah, I do have other hobbies. I um, like to play computer games with my friends. Um, I um, go to archery. I go to an archery club. Um, I obviously play the melodeon. I um, like going for walks every now and then. But yeah, I, I don't know how you fit it all in. I, <laughs> I do you ever sleep? Yeah, I do sleep. I wish, I wish that was a hobby of mine, though. No. Are you a teenager who gets up late? Yeah. <laughs> it's a slowly transition to that point, though. I'm still getting up early for school. I've got a... It's quite nice, because I, I go to school in Tenbury. I have to. I'm getting up early in the morning and walk to the bus, which is fun. So what do you see coming down the line in 2022? I think there will still be lots of... I think we'll just... We'll like be recovering. We'll be still in a pandemic, I think... There'll be people who, if we are recovering, will need a bit of help with um, food still. I think there'll be people who need um, food because of the pandemic, I think. And mental health issues, I guess, I think, as well. Yeah, I think mental health has been a really big thing. So We're feeling positive, yeah. though, aren't we? We're I looking think, forward to 2022. I think even if the problems are still there, you can make the problems better. And mm. I think I'm looking forward to 2022. Helping with that, yeah. Yeah, there's new things on the horizon for me. Yeah. Good. Well, we'll have to come back and hear about those. Yeah. So now, final question. Three top tourism tips for Herefordshire. I suppose, because um, I spend most of my time around Lempster, I suppose you've always, if you're ever in Lempster, you've got to check out Grange Court. It's a lovely um, building. It was actually... Um, it was actually originally elsewhere and they deconstructed it, carried to the place it is by the Grange and then reconstructed it. And it's a brilliant place. It's a lovely cafe there. I don't know if it's still open, but I always liked going in there with my grandma and there's, 
you know, there's all sorts of things you can see in there. Some mm, nice old. It's lovely. Yeah, it's yeah. lovely to be in there. And then second one would be the um, the Lampster Priory inside the Priory. It's a brilliantly, it's a brilliant building. There's loads to see in there. But there's a ducking stool in there, and it was the last used ducking stool in England. And the last time it was used, they didn't actually manage to duck anyone because it, there was no water, so they just wheeled them around town. And the second to last time, they ducked someone called Jenny Pipes, who was a nag. Basically, they wouldn't <laughs> stop talking. And she was ducked three times in the river, and on the third time, she rose up and yelled torrent of abuse at the magistrate. But it is a brilliant thing to take a look at, and... It's a good thing to see, and yeah, actually, that was actually lovely. originally it was originally used to duck on um, things like nags and scolds, and thankfully we've got past that point. We're no longer ducking women for but talking, we've, but we've still got nags and scolds. Could be could be male or female though. Let's indeed face it. yes. If you're ever wanting for a walk around Lampster, if you um, find the Aldi and you go up the hill from there, you can keep going up until there's a um, toll house, a white toll house with pillars. You take a left and you can go along there and you take the path to the right past the vets and you can walk along the top of the field there and there's a brilliant view of Lempster. So if you can remember that walk and you want to see a brilliant view of Lempster, that's where to go. Yes. Thank you, Jonathan. You've just proved to all our listeners that one is never too young to start volunteering and give a huge amount back to your local community. So thank you from your community too and the bigger community of Herefordshire. I hope you've had time to rest over Christmas and do all the things that guys your age normally do and that you're looking forward to what you might do in 2022. I have, and thank you so much for having me. It's been really fun to talk.